Alcohol Tipping Point is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. This podcast is also brought to you by Instant Imprints. Promote better with Instant Imprints. Instant Imprints are Boise's visual communications experts and your place for everything you need to promote your business, club, school, or group. As a locally owned business, Instant Imprints specializes in making your organization more visible with custom branded apparel, embroidery, promotional items, print services, and wide format printing for signs, as well as banners and vehicle graphics. Want better ways to get noticed? Visit Instant Imprints at instantimprints.com slash Boise or call 208-IMPRINT. That's 208-467-7468. Hello and welcome back to the Alcohol Tipping Point podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Maisner, and today I have my first returning guest. That's how long the podcast has been going, really just a couple of months. But today we have Megan O'Laughlin again, who is a counselor extraordinaire, and she's also a mindfulness teacher. So thank you, Megan, for coming on again. Thank you. It's great to be back. And yeah, you've been doing this for a while now. Time flies, huh? If time flies when you're having fun. Yes. Yeah. So I wanted to have you back on again to talk specifically about mindfulness and how that can be useful when you're quitting drinking. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and you had mentioned in the podcast episode we first did uh, that when you started practicing mindfulness as well, that kind of led you to reconsider your own drinking habits. So kind of remind us your journey with mindfulness and drinking yeah I yes I started practicing mindfulness long time ago as it's been like 20 years wow. <laughs> again time flies what's happening um, and what what mindfulness can really help with is that we become more aware of ourselves and our surroundings and our responses to things that happen. So it seemed kind of inevitable that when I started being more mindful, I was recognizing that I was often drinking at the way to, you know, kind of the usual stuff, like to feel better, to escape, you know, difficult situations, to feel more comfortable in social situations, things like that. And with that awareness, you know, it brought up some considerations of like, you know, do I really want to be doing this? Also more awareness of things I didn't like about drinking, like kind of, you know, not feeling great the next day, being embarrassed about, you know, behavior while drinking, stuff like that. So 
I think the two were really connected and I've often wondered like, well, and have gotten so into, you know, mindfulness and meditation practice. I can't help but wonder if I was drinking now, who knows what life would be like. <laughs> yeah. So you, you said if you hadn't gotten into mindfulness, you maybe would still be drinking. Is that what you're saying? I wonder, yeah, I wonder if I would be because without so much awareness of myself and how I respond to things, which mindfulness is really helpful for, maybe I would still be in that mode of just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to have a drink or like I had a hard day, I'm gonna go ahead and drink or like I'm in this social situation and everyone else is drinking, so I'm just going to do it too. Yeah. I wouldn't really have that space to kind of consider, like, why is it worth it to put this to not drinking? Because it is effort, right? <laughs> it takes effort and consideration to do that. Yeah, and it, it takes awareness, and that's what mindfulness can bring. Totally, yeah. So so what what do you consider Mindfulness. Yeah, that's such a good question because it's a big buzzword right now, right? It's kind of all over the place. And Mm -hmm. sometimes sometimes people think that mindfulness means, you know, feeling relaxed or sitting in a quiet room, you know, meditating, like, oh, that kind of thing. And that can be a way of practicing mindfulness. But really what mindfulness is, is just being aware of the present moment and also aware of responses to the present moment. So like awareness of what's happening internally, awareness of what's happening externally. And this thing of like intentionally being aware of the present is a big part of mindfulness because our minds tend to kind of go into memories and thinking about the past or worrying about the future. So what we're doing with mindfulness is like noticing when the goes away like that and then bringing it back to the present moment. Yeah, so key. I'm, I mean, how guilty are we all of either kind of ruminating on the past or just always thinking of the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, yeah. instead of just like enjoying and embracing the moment and not even always enjoying it, right? Yeah, I mean, sometimes the present moment sucks. <laughs> sure. And, like, we can be mindful of that, too. You know, like, it, it, and that's one thing I often hear from people is, I did this, but, like, I don't feel better. I don't feel relaxed. I don't feel calm. Like, we can be completely mindful in a moment that is really painful, really challenging, difficult in some kind of way, and we can still be you know, rooted with that and grounded with that and present with it, it doesn't necessarily mean that we feel good because we're just simply not feel good all the time. Like, that, that's just uh, not going to be possible. That's not part of the human experience, fortunately, right? Yeah, all feelings are temporary, whether it's joy or sorrow. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's a cool thing about having more awareness as we get to see, you know, that ebb and flow of different things that come up. And then there's more and more of that, like actual experience that this is happening now. That doesn't mean it's going to happen forever. 
Yes. If we're often escaping the present moment in some kind of a way, we don't necessarily get that experience of something showing up and then it gradually going away because we're forcing the moment to, like, we're forcing ourselves out of the moment. So we don't really get that experience of, like, oh, it'll come and go. Like, this too shall pass. Yeah, and, and I think when I had turned to drinking so much for pain and pleasure, right? So to, mm-hmm. to numb the pain or to feel pleasure, that when I quit, I, I just felt really emotionally raw because, like you said, it, you're just you're feeling everything and you have to sit with it for a while. But then your body and your mind starts to relearn like, oh, it's, it doesn't last. Like, I, I can sit with this. It will pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like you're, you're more like resilient and just kind of able to hang with all those difficulties or maybe even have more pleasure because of that? Yeah, absolutely. I, and it gives you a perspective too. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've relearned like that lesson that I kind of already knew, like logically, you know, like I'm not always going to feel this way. Um, but yeah, the highs are higher and the lows are low, lower perhaps because you're not numbing it out, but, but then mm-hmm. everything passes eventually. What do you yep. think? Oh yeah. Same, <laughs> same. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a deeper experience with whatever it is, but also, you know, and I think you're right that like conceptually we all kind of understand that, you know, something happens and it doesn't mean it's going to be like that forever. Uh, but emotionally and experience, we might not really get that until that's actually part of what we do and part of our regular experience. Um, in my therapy work, I'm often doing like exposure based practices. And I think mindfulness is really like it's a, it's exposure, you know, it's exposure to ourselves, it's exposure to the present. And without exposure to things, um, we, we, we won't really fully believe that things come and go. Um, and it is just a concept, you know, and that can actually be kind of frustrating because then like the rational mind is going like, I know that this isn't always going to be like this. I know that like my fears might not be true, but then the emotional side of things that's like escape, escape, (laughs) you know, like go out the escape hatch. It's like screaming, you know, so then the, the experience isn't really lining up that things come and go and also that we can tolerate it and that we can get through it. Yeah. Tell me more about that exposure therapy. Do you have a specific example of how you use mindfulness and exposure therapy? Yeah. I mean, exposure therapy can be done in all sorts of ways. Like I do it a lot with um, like, like trauma work. I've also done, Uh, like I, I actually have a few like therapy spiders because I've done some work with, uh, people who struggle with arachnophobia. Um, so I've done all different kinds of exposure work, uh, and mindfulness is a huge part of it because what we're really doing when we're practicing exposure, anything really is we're preventing that escape, 
You know, like, like we're not going to escape this by whatever means we used to use, you know, like leaving the room or letting the mind wander off or checking out in some way. Drinking can be a way that we do it. So then the mindfulness comes in to root us to the present moment of like what's happening right now, including the mindfulness, whatever discomfort might be coming up and being able to sit with that and be aware of it. And as we do that, we build our confidence in ourselves to be able to have presence, even when something is really challenging and difficult, rather than kind of going to the escape hatch all the time, which might be the habit that's been built up. Yeah, I'm, I have seen pictures of your do you, what did you call them? Therapy spiders? <laughs> the therapy <laughs> spiders. At this point, they're just like, they're like pets because I'm not doing that anymore because everything I do is over Zoom now. So I just don't think it would have the same effect of like, check this out, like over the screen. But yeah, they just kind of live in the corner of my house now. And they're tarantulas. Mm-hmm. And you see, yes. isn't that it's such a common fear? Um. But it's kind of the same fear feeling um, to other things we're afraid of, right? Our other phobias. Mm. So interesting. Yeah, like total side note, it's kind of interesting, but like, you know, kind of these real like primal fears, like spiders, snakes, and heights. Like everyone seems to have one. Like I'm really, I really don't like heights. And I kind of did some exposure therapy on myself years ago. And I was like, I'm going to like learn how to downhill ski. And I kind of worked with that for a while. And I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to, I'm going to do something else with my weekends now. But yeah, a lot of people are like grossed out by spiders. Well, for some people, it, it really starts to cause Disruption in their lives um, because they're working so hard to try to avoid being around any spiders. So, yeah, that was just one kind of exposure therapy I did. But, you know, we all benefit from exposure. We've all had that experience of, like, I used to avoid this thing, and now I actually have been around it more, and I feel better doing so much work to avoid it. And even just sitting with ourselves in mindfulness in some way, that that is exposure right there. It's exposure to ourselves, exposure to discomfort, present moment, and whatever that moment might be bringing up. Yeah, let's, um, related to drinking, I can see how exposing yourself to a situation where you normally would have drank. Um, so, like, say you're going to a party, but it's your first party that you're not drinking at, you feel mm -hmm. anxious, you feel scared, you have fear, right? But then yeah. you go to the event and you successfully do not drink alcohol and then you leave and you're, you know, walking out of the party just feeling that boost of confidence. Yeah, like I did it through it. And then the next time it might feel a little bit easier and then the next time even more so, and then after a while, like, maybe it even starts to feel, in some ways, like the new normal, you know? I know when I go to social situations now, it's just kind of, it, it feels, there's still some, I mean, it still feels a little weird to me, um, in some ways, to be honest, but, like, 
you know, people I hang out with, they, they just kind of know they're like, Hey, do you sparkling water? Or like, they know that I'm not, I'm not going to be drinking and it's just not a big thing anymore. It definitely used to be though. Yeah. So tell me some, um, specific examples where you could use mindfulness in quitting drinking. So whether you're using it before you go to a party or say you're, you're home after work, it's five o'clock, you're having a craving. Um, Mm -hmm. can you give a few examples? Yeah. I mean, I think that word that you use craving is really key here is to be really aware of how cravings show up because it's going to be really different for each person. You know, some people might have like that kind of it's after work and I want to relax sort of craving for someone else. It might be something that comes up more situation. So this is kind of the, the leap between, you know, the intention of like, I want to quit drinking and then the nitty gritty of like, what is that actually going to look like? Like, how am I actually pull this off in my day-to-day life. Um, So I think with mindfulness, you know, first we just have to have that awareness of like, how do my cravings show up? You know, is it like a feeling in my body, you know, like which maybe means that drinking is associated with like an emotion of some kind, you know, like I feel sad and then I want to drink or I feel like tired and worn out and I want to drink or I feel nervous and I want to drink. Maybe it's situational, you know, maybe it's a certain time of day or um, like going to a party or something like that. So then that awareness can be really key in recognizing like, oh, like me having an urge to drink. And then the urge doesn't, we can have urges and not act on them. That's actually a really cool thing about applying mindfulness and exposing ourselves to new ways of moving through our lives is like having that urge and even have, I would definitely recommend doing some problem solving about like, what can I do instead? You know, like if it's an after work thing of, you know, drinking to relax, well, what are some other ways to relax? So then when a craving comes up, there's like a replacement activity. So you're not just like sitting there, you know, gritting your teeth Mm because that's going to be really hard, if not impossible. Yeah, those are, so awareness is key, um, being mm-hmm. curious, like what, mm-hmm. what am I really feeling, taking a pause. Um, yeah. What would be kind of, is that where you would practice mindfulness in the moment? Like, I mean, could you stop? I mean, obviously you could, but I mean, would you recommend like, take five minutes and listen to a guided meditation or, and tell me also, because I'm sorry, multiple questions here, but that just made me think. So (laughs) is is mindfulness meditation or tell me about that? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question because that's like a common misconception that mindfulness is like, well, I can't do mindfulness because like there's all stuff going on and you know, my house is loud and I don't like sitting. And when I sit, like I just get more nervous or something. So, you know, and even in my classes, I tell people like, you know, even though I will teach some meditation practices, like it's totally fine to go through this course and try the sitting meditations and not really there for you. Try the other stuff too, 
because that is also mindfulness. And the whole point here is we want to find ways that we can practice this. It is a practice. You know, it's not something that we just do once and we're done. It's like a way of moving through life. So meditation is one way to practice mindfulness, you know, where we're sitting and we're intentionally focusing on something. A lot of times with meditation, it's like the breath or mantra or visualization, and you're like sitting for a certain period of time. Mindfulness, you could be mindful when you're doing anything. You know, it could be like mindfully eating, mindfully walking, mindfully doing a task at work, mindfully being in a conversation. Again, it's that attunement to the present moment um, and, and, like, and then noticing when the mind wanders because it does, all of our minds do that. Sometimes it freaks people out where they're like, my mind is all over the place. Yeah, you're human. You've got a mind. That's what they do. And so noticing when the mind goes off and then bringing it back to the present moment. So it doesn't have to be meditation. And a lot of people are kind of like, I've almost heard that it can be triggering this idea that like you have to meditate and if you meditate, like your life is going to be better. Like I love meditation. It's a big part of my life. You don't have to do it. And some people don't like it. They don't want to do it. That's fine. You can still practice mindfulness in all sorts of other ways. Yeah. So it's more of a, a verb. Yeah. Good distinction. Okay. So what, so I mean, when you talk about having a craving, being mindful in the moment, noticing it, uh, being aware, and then having like a replacement activity, it could be a meditation or it could be reading or it could be going on a walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really could be anything. There's a skill. I think I saw you, you post it a while ago it's called the stop skill mm-hmm. um, this is this is like a commonly taught mindfulness skill so a dialectical behavioral therapy skill um, and it's really simple and it's meant to be done in the moment but it's really important because it's how we can catch ourselves when we're about to kind of go into you know just kind of like our instinctual behavior um, so you kind of know you want to notice that something is about to happen. So that could be like a craving coming up and, and you, you want you stop and you can even think of like a stop sign or, um, you know, just actually stopping movements, you know, like holding your body still. So like if you're opening the fridge to like grab a drink, you know, that it's like, stop, you know, just like freeze. And then, um, and then kind of take in what's going on around you, like notice what's going on around you, um, take a breath, observe. So that's what the O is, it's observe. And then the P is to proceed mindfully. And so that doesn't mean necessarily like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead with what I was going to do, although sometimes that might happen. The idea is like, well, what would proceeding mindfully look like here? So then maybe that is, you know, doing um, – another mindfulness practice, going on a walk, having, a, you know, some sparkling water, calling a friend. Um, I often recommend that people have kind of like a, a, a kit, you know, we can call it like a soothing kit or a distress tolerance kit, self-care kit, whatever, like a little bag or a little box that you just kind of keep around with you that has like helpful space in it. It could be quotes. It could be things that smell nice. It could be pictures of scenes that are calming or like family members you care about. 
things that are going to like really kind of get you back to thinking about your values and to maybe calm you down if like getting kind of stressed out part of what can come up with the craving. And then that's something concrete that you can do. So it gives you an activity in that moment. I like that. And it kind of takes, um, helps you use other senses. Like, cause you mentioned something to look at. So something visual and maybe something to hold, um, and just mm-hmm. like physically go through maybe having something that smells good, just those kinds of things. Is that what you would recommend in the box? Yeah. Yeah. Tuning into our sensory experiences is a big part of being mindful because when we notice our senses, we're noticing the information of the present moment. So then we're getting out of the head, you know, we're getting out of all the thoughts and sometimes cravings are really about thoughts, habits, right? And I think each of us will kind of notice that different senses might be stronger or even more soothing. Like I have a really strong sense of smell, um, which like is not always great, you know, when things are really smelly, I'm just like, ugh, I wish I could smell that so well. Um, but it also means that um, if I can have like something that smells really nice, like it can be, it can transform experience just right in that moment and it can be really soothing and even calming. Um, so like I, I really like like lavender spray and I even have, I have a bunch of lavender plants out in my garden. So I'll sometimes have those in the house um but other people might really like um you know looking at things that are soothing or even looking just at things that are around in the environment because then your mind is now focusing on something else our minds can really only focus on one thing at a time that's part of mindfulness too so if it's like oh there's a craving i notice this is happening okay now let me notice you know, what I see out the window, or let me notice that picture on the wall, or let me notice the coat hanging on a hook. Um, now the mind is focused on something else. And that can actually be pretty helpful. Yeah, definitely. And I, and sometimes I do those things, but without really realizing that I'm doing mindfulness. Yeah, that's a big part of like, you know, the, this stuff is not complicated. <laughs> it's just the doing it that can be challenging. And a lot of times when we really start to look at like what mindfulness is, I hear this from a lot where they're like, oh, I do that. And it does help. It's like, awesome. Now, now just keep doing it. You're on the right track. Yeah. It. Yeah. Well, I was hoping you could share um, a mindfulness activity that listeners could do and then use and practice on their own. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, so we're, this is one of my favorites, and we were just talking about senses, so this is a practice of tuning in to all the senses, so I'll just walk you through it. It just takes a couple minutes. Um, so it's called 54321, and I just want to say from the get-go, hear this, you want to do it again, um, don't worry so much about the order of all of it. It doesn't have to be done in one certain way. Okay, so we want to be like in a position of mindfulness, which means ideally sitting upright on the floor, back is nice and long. That just kind of helps facilitate some free and deep breathing. But really, you know, whatever works, 
just be in a position that works for you. And you could start with tuning into, so you'd look around in the space around you right now and just note to yourself five things that you see. And an encouragement here is not to just like, oh, I see a book. Oh, I see a wall. But to notice it in some way, you know, maybe notice a particular thing about it. So just take a couple moments to notice five things. And now we're going to go to four things that you can feel. So with this, we're using the sense of touch. And you can reach out and actually make contact with things that are around you. That could be like, you know, your clothes. That could be surfaces around you. And when you reach out to feel them, notice what they feel like. What is the texture like? Is it warm? Is it cool? Is it hard? Is it soft? Just notice what each thing feels like and note that to yourself. And now we'll do three things that you can hear. So not necessarily just labeling it like hear a car, but noticing what the sound is like when it hits your ear. All right, so now we'll do two things you can smell. So it might just be a smell that's like already there. If you have something around you, like a candle or chapstick, go ahead and pick that up and smell it. Notice what that smell is like. We can also smell like, sometimes we can smell like laundry detergent on our clothes. And then the last one is taste. So tasting, you know, maybe there's already a taste in the mouth or having a sip of something that's nearby or mint and just observing what that taste is like. And now we've noticed all of the senses, which means connecting with how the self is experiencing, you know, the space that you're in in the present moment and that is the practice of five four three two one I loved it I I yeah. just feel like I've made a I don't know you you do feel that peace like oh because I wasn't thinking of anything else yeah I like that yeah, break the, yeah the, <laughs> the attention yeah exactly the attention has shifted away from, you know, the, the worry thoughts that we so often have or the, you, you and I were talking about cravings, you know, it's like, okay, now let me, let me shift my awareness over to my senses. Yeah. And, and super quick and mm -hmm. effective. Love it. Great tool. Thank you for guiding that. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. Well, what would you recommend if anyone was starting out and wanting to learn more about mindfulness? Well, there's a lot of great resources out there. There's a lot of books. There's podcasts. There's 
<clears throat> the Insight Timer app I often recommend. There's tons of practices on there. It's a free app. I actually have a page on there. So even that practice we just did, 54321, is on there. Um, and it's probably very similar to how I just taught it. So that could be a thing to try is just to try some different practices. Um, I often think that, like, our our tendencies towards, like, perfectionism and self-judgments can really come out when we're taking on mindfulness practice. Like, I'm not doing it. Um, why is this not different than it is? So I think with that, it's also helpful to maybe do some reading about what exactly we're trying to do in mindfulness so that we can be more gentle with ourselves. So uh, one of my favorite books about mindfulness, and it was actually the book I read that got me really into it, is Wherever You Go, There You Are by John Kabat-Zinn, um, which is really just like a lot of little like stories and been about what it's like to just be mindful of things happening in life and to be in the present moment. It's a really lovely book. Fantastic. And uh, Yeah, and I have, um, if anyone's interested, I have a class that I'm going to be teaching starting in September in mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is considered like the gold standard way of learning and practicing mindfulness. It's an eight-week course, and I do it on with Zoom so people from anywhere can come in. And this one I'm specifically um, offering to people who are helpers and healers and caregivers in some way. So where there's this interest in mindfulness, not just for self-care, but also because part of your life is caring for other people, which can be lovely, but it can also be stressful. So we're going to have like a, you know, a lot of mindfulness practices, but also some focus on how we can do this when we're showing up for other people in our lives. That's great. So how, how can we find you? Um, you can find me on my website, which is wholeheartpnw.com. So wholeheart and then PNW, like Pacific Northwest. And then I'm also on Instagram, which I'm usually pretty active on there, but I'm, I'm taking a break this month just because that's going on. So I'll be pretty quiet on there probably till August, um, but you can find me on there, and I've got lots of stuff posted on there from past times, and it's uh, Megan O'Laughlin PNW on Instagram. That's great. Thank you so much, Megan. I've, I really enjoyed this. I've, I, yeah. I love mindfulness. I love learning about it, and there's Every time I talk about it, I learn something new, and it's simple, like you said, and it just takes practice and grace. Lots of practice, lots of grace. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Attention, Idaho and California residents. If you're shopping for a mortgage, contact PacFi, a mortgage brokerage with the top wholesale lenders in the nation. They are committed to simplifying the mortgage process, saving you time and money. Call 858-442-7048 or visit pacfi.com. NMLS number 1462943, Equal Housing Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Alcohol Tipping Point. I'm always here for you guys, so please feel free to reach out and talk to me on Instagram at Alcohol Tipping Point 
and check out my website, alcoholtippingpoint.com. Again, I hope you can use these tips we talked about for the rest of your week. And until then, see you next time.